I sometimes get angry with my children and then feel bad about it afterwards. Should I be worried about the long-term effects of this? So with anger, a lot of the time, it's, it's a very different experience in the moment than it is sometime later looking back on it. And anger can arise for any number of different reasons, and sometimes it can genuinely be the other person's fault. That's a little bit more complicated when it comes to children, particularly of a younger age. But, of course, uh, there, there can genuinely be, be issues there that have led to the anger in that moment. And there are, then when we get triggered by that anger, of course, better and worse ways of dealing with those emotions. So those feelings of, of anger, when they come up, they can grip us. We can be rather hypnotized in a trance-like state with those feelings, but then it's rather interesting because it can be seconds later, it can be minutes later, it can be hours later, days, weeks, months, or sometimes years or even decades later, unfortunately, that we wake up and we go, wasn't happy with that. You know, looking back on that, that really wasn't what I wanted it to be in that moment. So that's the issue here, I suppose, is we do have these different perspectives we're able to be in. And it, it can make it even more worrying when, you know, we hear ideas like the voice that we speak to our children with, that's what becomes their own inner dialogue. And we go, oh dear, <laughs> the last thing I want is to be anybody's inner dialogue. You know, we, we don't set out that way. We don't mean it that way. But of course, yes, there is some truth to that because, you know, that's the kind of thing that gets internalized. So, how do we make sense of that? How do we, on one hand, be human, but yet, on the other hand, uh, not be too human? How do, we, how do we balance it to make sure that we're not being destructive, at least any more than we, we, we need to be? So, of course, a big part of this is prevention rather than cure. And a lot of the time, if you're trying to handle anger just in the moment that it's happening, I don't want to say it's too late, it certainly isn't, but you could make it a lot easier for yourself by doing a lot more work before that point. That can be often the straw that breaks the camel's back in that moment. So instead, it's probably useful to do a bit of your own work on that, to start to ask the question, if there was a good reason for me to be angry, which maybe has nothing to do with today or this moment, what might that be? You know, to, to do a bit of work on that and, of course, to, to get some support on that as much as it's needed, particularly if the levels or the effects of it are, are severe. Uh, so so that, that that's, I think, key because we don't want to be doing too much kind of firefighting in the moment when there can be a preventative strategy beforehand, which is going to just make it much, much easier. Sometimes the example I use is like trying to stop a car after it's rolled down to the bottom of a hill. That's not the time to try and stop it. You obviously do what you can, but it's much easier just as it starts to roll to do a bit of preventative work there because the momentum of emotion can make it very, very tricky to firstly notice what's happening in the moment because, again, we get hypnotized into the trance of what's going on. But even if we do notice it, it, it can make it hard for us to have the lateral thinking to be able to see other options. Now, again, this is possible and you can train to get better at this. But uh, I mean, one of the, the facts of the matter is when there are strong emotions, when there's adrenaline and other hormones in the system, literally frontal lobe activity is getting shut down or becoming more narrow minded and focused on a particular thing. And we're not able to see the wood for the trees as easily in that moment. So again, keeping things a bit more spacious before, as well as practicing dealing with the moment a bit better. If we do uh, find it's not going the way we want it to, they, they both have a, a role and they both have a place.
So is it harmful is, is one of the big questions here. So it's hard to answer that specifically. It would depend, of course, on very much in the context of what's happening. There's just communication differences as well between people in terms of how they communicate. Uh, it would depend as well on how exceptional the, the feelings are and you know things are going very well the rest of the time or if there's a, a sense of understanding there. All of these things factor in. But one useful analogy to draw on here is the example of the immune system in the body. And that is a helpful way of thinking, I think, of any communication issues like that that arise. Because for children growing up, really what you want, of course, is good positive supportive experiences. But actually what you wouldn't want is a situation where they're not exposed to any emotion or any unpleasant emotion. Because that would be kind of psychologically the equivalent of growing up in a sterile environment where you never interact with any dust or germs, which would actually lead to weakness, kind of counterintuitively, because we tend to think that providing safety and support is a good thing, and of course it is to a certain extent. Now you'll notice there's a balance in that example, because if you're following that through, what you're not going to do is you're not going to, from a, a germ point of view, you're not going to expose your children to you know, toxic waste and all kinds of really heavy duty things. That's not going to help their immune system develop. That's a really bad idea. However, equally, if you deprive them of any kind of contact and experience in the world, their immune system won't learn to form its own strength to be able to deal with challenges. So that can lead to vulnerability in later life. Uh, now, in theory, and this is sometimes where it goes idealistically wrong, sometimes we hope our kids will live in a world that's good enough that they won't have to deal with certain challenges. And great, you know, if that's the case. But realistically, there probably are going to be challenges and just human emotions that come up both within themselves and with other people that they're going to have to deal with. And if they haven't had the experience of dealing with those before, then it comes as quite a shock to the system. And that can be much harder to deal with in later life if it hasn't been developmentally incorporated at an earlier stage. So it's not about extremes one way or the other. It's about something in the middle. So guess what? Life will tend to give you something in the middle, realistically, you know, on average. Because even if you set out with the best of intentions, you're going to feel different emotions and you're going to express them. You know, if you're living with people, <laughs> you're going to express emotions to them in certain moments and that's going to happen. Now, again, absolutely looking at our limits here, and I like to use the traffic light system where, you know, green interactions, cool, no problem, away you go. Amber, okay, need to look at that, you know, maybe not ideal, but it's not distinctly harmful either. It's just kind of non-optimal. And red, okay, stop here, go no further than that. So these are obviously things like strong verbal abuse, uh, uh, you know, not just being irritated, but, you know, strong verbal abuse, personal statements, and of course, physical violence or anything along those lines, strictly in the red zone and points to immediately stop ourselves to draw on support and you know, to, to get guidance with how to deal with that. Because if it's reaching that level, that suggests there's a strong lack of control, which again, it's not that you know it's intentional on your part, but it's being responsible enough to notice that and to be able to correct those behaviors, that's key. 
But assuming we're talking about the range of, again, just everyday emotions, I suppose, that come up and sometimes are expressed in ways that we look back on afterwards as not being ideal, I think be reasonably kind to yourself with that and know that, yes, it does happen and it's not necessarily developmentally a bad thing particularly if it happens as part of a balanced diet. In other words, you know, there's great experiences and there's kind of average good experiences and then you get a bit frustrated and, you know, then you correct for that though uh, as soon as you can, which again, a month later is, is better than a year later. A week later is better than a month later. An hour later is better than that. And, you know, a minute later is better than, than not at all. If you can do it as the emotion is coming up, that would be ideal. But again, you're probably going to get different results with that, uh, just with different emotions on, on different days. So really nice thing I think to do here with this is to kind of share the process of self-regulation. Because I think one of the things that we all do as human beings to some degree, but parents can sometimes try and do for their children is to try and, I don't mean pretend in a deliberate sense, but to try and pretend that we're grown-ups or to pretend that we've mastered or conquered this stuff. And in the result, to actually lose out on a fabulous learning opportunity. So what a wonderful thing it is to maybe, you know, to be working on this anyway. But if some anger or some strong emotion comes up and we, we say things and we look back on that, and we go, no, actually, I'm not happy with that. To be able to then talk about that, to talk to the kids and go, look, you know, I felt these feelings, uh, here is why I felt that maybe if, if that's age appropriate and you know I didn't mean to speak that way it wasn't actually your fault it was something else uh, how, how do you think I could do that better next time maybe listen to what they have to say offer your own suggestions as well on what you're going to try and do and maybe how they can help you now this is good stuff <laughs> this is really helpful and you could in theory i'm not saying choose to be angry but in theory you could have a better outcome with anger manifesting and sharing the experience of self-regulation you could have a better outcome developmentally than if there was an anger to begin with you know that could be a really powerful learning experience so you don't tend to need to go looking for anger or other emotions because life again will tend to give you plenty of reasons to feel them the odd time anyway despite your best intentions but that's a really valuable thing to be able to do now, of course in certain moments it will be the kid's fault again whatever we want to mean by the word fault because these things are systems you know, very often how the child is feeling is part of the system that the parents are in, part of the school system, part of what's happening in developmental stages, part of what's happening in their own neurochemistry, how hungry they are, if there's other things on their mind. So there's a lot of things going on. But, you know, to speak about it in kind of simplistic terms, you know, they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing. They know they're not supposed to be doing it. There's no kind of good reason that you can see why it's happening. So again, in those moments, this is an opportunity for, a, for for speaking about this and for kind of questioning what is the most effective tone that you can use here and maybe talking to them about it as well. So, you know, one distinction that's often drawn here is the difference between being assertive versus being aggressive. And that I think is a really important distinction because sometimes what we do is we conflate the two and we think, okay, uncomfortable emotions, therefore aggression. And it comes out like that. That's often just a, a product of our own lack of training. 
you know, I, I think most people fall into that. I certainly, when I was brought up in school, wasn't taught the distinctions. I didn't get to practice them. You know, kind of role play them a bit. But that would be really, really valuable and really useful. But there's no reason why we can't all start doing that right now, wherever we're at. You know, I'm using the specific example of children because that's what was asked. But, you know, we're all kids at different stages of development, really. You know, we're all growing and continuing to develop. So it, it is nice to consider those distinctions. Okay, so being assertive, can I even be direct and be clear and sometimes be even strong in what I'm saying? That's not appropriate. But with a sense of kindness, with a bit of playfulness there as well or an ease as opposed to you know a lot of emotion being there and that inevitably restricting how well we communicate in that moment. So maybe we're doing it very poorly or just not as effectively as we could be doing it. So a lot of room there for kind of playing with that and refining it. But if it's part of the conversation and if it's part of the growing process, then that's probably going to be a very valuable thing. You're human. A number of emotions going to, are going to come up. Your kids are human too. It's all about learning to be human together, practicing that, communicating and sharing it, and just bouncing back as well from emotions. You know, if we hit the wrong key on the piano, okay, what's the right key? getting back to that note and hitting that instead and you know resonating with some of those feelings that are maybe a more appropriate match for how you want your life and their life to be. If you found this valuable, do like, subscribe and share. And what's your experience? Do you have any questions or topic suggestions? You can contribute in the comments, on social media using hashtag BodyMindSelf or on JFL.com.